0: You are listening to the Practicing the Art of Small Business podcast with Shannon Merlot and Julie Parker. Enjoy this conversation about business, leadership and the self-awareness journey to great success. Hello Julie and hello listeners to episode number 41 of Practicing the Art of Small Business. Julie, how are you? I'm very, very well. Thanks for asking. Shannon, how are you going? I am very, very well also. I um, Our listeners, before uh, we joined, I said to Julia, it feels like it's been ages since we last spoke, but it's only been a week or two.
1: Yes, it does feel oh. like ages. Well, it has been a couple of weeks. Usually it's every week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it has been a couple of yeah. weeks. And I think we've both been very, you know, we've had a lot of stuff to get done in those times. So I think we've had a lot of busyness within our heads of trying to get through big projects and things you've had your magnificent workshop that's coming up to plan mm-hmm. and populate and nurture and all the things and a bit of what we're talking about today could play a role in that and I've also been you know re-jigging a few things from my end there's been a lot of re-looking at content and websites and landing pages and adjusting everything so I think we've both had a very productive couple of weeks since we last spoke.
0: I think we have I think we have you cuz you're um you've done a refining of your uh program actually I should probably introduce what we're talking about today so I so that my line of questioning has a purpose so listeners today we're very excited to give you the fun of funnels and your customer journey now this is literally going to be like racing around a racetrack that is not smooth at all. It's full of bumps and turns and you'll most likely be confused because people spend entire degrees figuring this out. So we are just going to give you the top line of understanding marketing funnels and your customer journey so that you can talk at a dinner party like you know what you're talking about, but actually probably don't. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And so, Julie, <laughs> when you were looking at your program, did you filter your review through your customers? customers? Oh, we're going to have problems with my mouth today, I think, <laughs> like every episode. Did you filter your um, decisions through the customer journey sort of with a, a lens of what does my customer's journey look like? Definitely. Definitely,
1: and that's what really drove it. I mean, the thing that triggered it was we changed the structure to a degree. I thought it was quite a substantial degree because we had another third party come in. This is myself and my dental practice consultant buddy, Amina, that we've, over the past Throughout 2022, we rolled out our one-year online course for dental practice managers, and it's aimed at dental practice managers and owners so they can develop all the skills they need to fulfil that role of practice manager. And it was a wonderful success for us. We were so thrilled and delighted with it, and we thought, let's get some assistance in the coming year and get a third party involved. And with that came a bit of a change of structure of what that course looked like. And we haven't really seen any positive response since then, since that change. And so we decided all yesterday that, yes, we're going to go back to the old structure. (laughs) And when we set up our online course, we're using Thinkific and these sort of platforms are so brilliant you know it's quite extraordinary what can be achieved nowadays with these sort of relatively low cost applications that we can really expand our businesses out and have a broader reach or a broader number of people etc we've been so thrilled with it all I've been using Thinkific for many many years now but this online one-year course was quite a unique project and within that, we just survey throughout the year. We have conduct regular surveys to make sure that we're always on track with what the students are enjoying and what they're needing from their perspective. And so that absolutely did direct uh, dis- part of, from my perspective, anyway, that decision to go. We have to flip back because this is what we've created now. The way we've we've structured it now doesn't really provide. The same experience that our current students have given us so much great feedback around. So absolutely, and more recently, I have been really delving into customer service uh, for a particular patient for a particular client who's got a, a number of practices. And I've now, you know, this is I've now had a very well thought out process around customer service, and I can if I can very briefly let you know what it is, so then you can understand what's directing it moving forward. So the four sure. levels of customer service I have identified are, number one, unacceptable. Unacceptable is the kind of customer service that we receive wherever we go for a product or service, where we are so upset by the standard of service, we would then say, "Where's your manager, I need to speak to them?" or, "I'm going home and going online, giving them a bad review." At the very least, I'm going to tell all my friends and family, "Do not use that business. They're terrible. Then we step up to basic customer service. And that's where you've got people within the business that just get over the line of providing you with that product or service. You're not terribly upset about it. You think, sure, it's all kind of lacking a bit, but I'm not upset about it. It's just a very bland experience. I got what I wanted. Nothing's really enticing me to go back and use them again. Then we've got the third level of customer service, which is anticipated, And this is where we all have a set of expectations when we go to a cafe, to a hairdresser, to a dentist, to a whatever. We've got a basic set of expectations that I want to be treated in a highly professional manner, a very friendly manner, and I want it to be relatively easy to move through and buy that thing or buy that service from you. And we know what anticipated feels like because we get to the end of that process and we're like, yeah, that was all right, that's okay. And if somebody said, I really need the best dentist around, for example, coming from my world, you'd say, oh, I don't know if they're the best dentist around, but mine are nice, mine are nice. You wouldn't then feel compelled to tell all your friends and family to go see this particular dentist because your expectations were met or just a little bit surpassed. Mm-hmm. Then we go to the fourth level of customer service, which is unanticipated. We had no idea they were going to deliver such a delightful experience. That those people that delivered that service or product were so very competent in what they did, and they went over and above to make sure that I was happy. You know, um, there was a, there's a lovely example that I saw during my research on uh, what's uh, what's that whole hotel chain, Ritz Carlton. And an example of the Ritz-Carlton, because they are known for giving extraordinary customer service, they had one particular family whose kids were playing some sort of soccer ball play in the hallway. Somebody further on down the hallway complained about the noise. And so anticipated customer service is when you apologise to the people that were interrupted with that Sorry, we'll do something about it. And they go to the family that did have kids playing soccer and they said, you can't play soccer in the hallway. So sorry. Hope you're still enjoying your stay. Yes, we understand. We'll stop the kids playing soccer, no dramas. That would be anticipated. Everyone's quite satisfied and happy. Unanticipated is when the people at the Ritz-Carlton said, but what we have done for you, we've cleared a room downstairs and we've put up a couple of catch nets. And so the kids can go downstairs and play a proper game of soccer down there. They can make as much noise as they like and then they went down the kids went down there to play there and then on top of that some of the team some of the staff members came and played with them to make it a really good experience so that's unanticipated this is where you you wouldn't anticipate that you wouldn't expect that but when it happens you go Man, where's that Google place? Because I want to leave a fantastic review. Where's your manager? Because I am seeking them out to tell them how awesome you are. And I am definitely compelled now to tell all my friends and family, you have to go to see this place, do this thing, because they are awesome. And so they're the four levels of customer service. And when I was speaking to magnificent husband, Charles, (laughs) about my thoughts around the program and the direction that it, it was subsequently taking for this coming year, he said, where does this sit with your unanticipated customer service? What experience are you going to be providing your students? And I thought, crazy, because that's exactly what drove me and myself at the very start. We're going to be delivering the best support a student has ever experienced with an online course like this. And so it really brought that right back. And so that what is unanticipated Service. What is an anticipated structure for this program? And now that's what's going, we're going back to that being the driver of things. So we are certainly coming from that student space.
0: Mm, okay. Well, I think that's an incredible example of... How we can improve our customer journey and utilize that. Um, there's a part of the funnel. I'm going to, I'm going to backtrack a little bit and do a little bit of a, an education for those who are uninitiated, but providing that exceptional and unanticipated. Or anticipated customer and unanticipated. Yeah. Yeah. Un- unanticipated, but exceptional. Um, cause we don't want unex, unanticipated, but terrible. Cause. We there's that as well yeah yeah and that's why why I
1: make that difference between anticipated and unanticipated because there are so many businesses out there that say oh we we provide the best exceptional extraordinary customer service I believe most people are actually providing anticipated and there's nothing wrong with anticipated it's wonderful Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I really do believe that most people are providing anticipated customer service. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, So when we provide unanticipated customer service, that really helps to build loyalty and and brand loyalty. And what that does is then people talk about us, they provide reviews for us, which then um, increases our chances of being made, of others who are unaware of us being made aware of us. Um, So, I think that's an ex- a great example of the bottom of the funnel. I'm going to talk about the marketing funnel and then we'll, I'm going to wrap back around to your customer service from a customer journey perspective. Now, people, you do not need to do a university degree to understand um, this jargon that I'm throwing out at you. There's some jargon that people use. Um, if you can use it, you sound smart. If you know what it means, you sound smarter. We're going to try both, um, but make no claims to be smart at all. So I'm just using the jargon. Okay. So a marketing funnel is just a thing that basically says we're starting out with a big, if you imagine a funnel, we start out with a big bit at the top and as someone becomes more and more and more aware of us, they go down the funnel and then they make a decision to hopefully purchase from us and then right at the bottom of the funnel we have what, what Julie mentioned, that um, customer service that builds loyalty and advocacy and we might have programs there to upsell, resell and have them sort of screaming fans of ours. What is the difference between a marketing and sales funnel? Nothing really. Marketing people will tell you it's a marketing funnel and sales people will tell you it's a sales funnel. But essentially the object of the funnel is the same and it's literally just saying how do we get someone to go from the top of the funnel to the bottom of the funnel? Now, again, you don't need a university degree to get this the top of the funnel is called awareness. And what that means is what are all the activities that we're doing out there that make people who are unaware of us, aware of us? <laughs> so um, at the top of the funnel, that might be social media. It might be um actually commenting on someone else's posts or engaging where other people are. So we people start seeing our name. People might say, well, social media is a top of the funnel activity, but if you're not actually actively um, following me yet, you are unaware of me. So you need to make people aware. So that actually sits a little bit further, like it's still at the top of the funnel, but sort of at the bottom. Things like maybe attending a networking event and meeting people that you've not met before will be top of the funnel activities. Uh, going on someone else's podcast and they're not aware of you would be a top of the funnel activity. If you invited people who you know to listen to the podcast, that would be a middle of the funnel activity. So I'm, I know I'm going through this really, really quickly, but this is just the education component. We can kind of talk through well, what does this mean for you as a business owner in a sec? Um, and I will pause for Julie's questions. In a <laughs> no, you're going well. I'm on track. I'm
1: on track. I'm following every step you think. <laughs> okay, great.
0: There, there is a test at the end. Um, so the top of the funnel is no people don't know that we exist and how do we make people aware that we exist? And that's all top of the funnel stuff. Also things like SEO, AdWords, social media ads would all sit top of the funnel, all designed to make people aware of us before they were aware of us before. Then the middle of the funnel, and I can throw some more jargon out, but essentially what you're saying is in the middle of the funnel, these people have become aware of us and they start to become curious about what we offer. Do we solve their problem? And from there they might pop on our website, they might start looking at our pages, they might download our document, they might start to ask They might look for case studies, for proof. They'll maybe pop back onto our social media to see whether people who like them like you. So, you know, when you've got advocacy from others, oh yes. Oh Julie, Julie knows Shannon. I know Julie. I'll see what Julie thinks of Shannon. Or Shannon must be cool because Julie's cool. This is how we can really, really cool, Shannon. Really cool. (laughs) <laughs> totally cool. <laughs> so cool. So in that middle of the funnel where we're helping people to essentially they've got a problem and through our marketing activities, we are then helping them to determine whether they want to take the next step for us to help solve their problem. And when I say help solve their problem, Product, the same as product marketing, really. I have a problem or I have a need or I have a want and I'm going to start at the top searching for that thing and then I'm going to, you know, go in the middle. And sometimes all of the stages of this funnel can be literally a five minute job when you want to buy. Um, <laughs> stencils which <laughs> also says we had a, we went on a bit of a stencil buying activity but um i digress so it can be a, it can be a short journey or it can be a long journey and then at the end of the funnel is how they make that purchase decision and this is probably where that sales funnel discussion comes in is what does that sales process look like so my definition, happy to be wrong, is that your marketing activity is all of the messages and things that are out there that are helping people get to wanting to make a purchase decision. Your sales process is more around what do they do when they have, um, what, what, what do we do that helps to convert them from someone who is curious about us to someone who purchases from us. Now, um, I'm going to talk just really quickly about, I I think, Julie, please tell me if I'm wrong. Mm. In my mind, a sales process is more around when you've got a service because especially when you've got high-ticket Item high ticket products or high ticket services because you'll want to talk to a salesperson, you'll want to discuss your needs, you'll want to talk about the scope of the service, and then you're actually working through a bit of a sales funnel. So then you'll have, you know, negotiation and scope and blah 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 blah, and then you'll do purchase. Your marketing will sit in there with various maybe nurture sequences that you'll email them as part of the process if they've gone off on a cart, you'll nurture sequence them. So if there's an online sale, you'll nurture sequence them. And a nurture sequence for those who are the uninitiated, <laughs> it's just emails. Yeah. It's just emails to nurture them, to, you know, hold them and hug them and just nurture them through to the end of the sales process. And then right at the end, they've made the surf, they've made the purchase, and then we start talking about onboarding them And this is where customer journey probably comes in a little bit more because once they've been on board, once they've purchased, we want their experience, their customer experience to be really amazing so that it builds heaps of trust. They love us a lot and then they keep coming back. They'll repurchase from us, they'll upgrade from us and they'll recommend us. And that's kind of that last part of the funnel. And I'll just pause there for a second, Julie, because I don't know whether your eyes have glazed over or you're absolutely jumping out of your skin excited, even though I can see you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I am excited, Shannon, that's for sure. And what are you, are you excited so about, about funnels?
0: You, pardon? But are you excited about funnels?
1: <laughs> <laughs> about life in general, about my veggie patch. It's going well. Tomatoes are growing. They're growing red. It's beautiful what I did just have a note down was from what you were talking about is that you know we do have the marketing funnel that then feeds into the sales funnel that then feeds into the reactivation sorry the customer nurture funnel that then could feed into a a reactivation funnel and so we one funnel keeps leading into the next funnel
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and I like that as a visual in my brain yeah
0: yeah Absolutely. Well, let me now, um, visualize your brain in another way and throw in another concept around customer journey. And then I'll, and then I'll explain for those who are hanging on going, what is the point of this? I'll give you the point of this in a second. I want to tell you all about it first and then I'll tell you why it's important. (laughs) (laughs) So you just hang in there. So when we're talking about our customer journey, we're looking at what is the journey? What are the steps? What is the, traveling experience of someone who becomes aware of our business or organization or a product or service and then they go through a purchasing decision then they actually are onboarded or they receive the product and then how do we continue to interact with them And where are the points of improvement? Now, I think that a customer journey can certainly be looked at from a marketing perspective, but for a business owner's perspective, the benefit of talking about customer journeys is that we can actually look at our business as a whole of system uh, interaction. Because when we look at customer journey, invoicing, following up on payments, your receptionist people, Um, How any email is is responded to, how, uh, how they experience the brand outside of their own experience is all part of the customer journey. And when we can understand the journey, we're able to then look at points of improvement in our business so that the customer a lot of the time when you talk customer journey, you can actually talk about their um, their pains in that journey. So how do they feel in dealing with your business as that part of the journey and if you've got any areas of um, resistance to them experiencing the business as you want them to be ex- experiencing the business, this is where you might focus your energies on constant improvement in your business and this is where Julie's customer service four levels comes in because part of that customer journey is how are they experiencing their customer service are we at basic are we at anticipated and what does success look like well success looks like unanticipated and then we start to invest resources time energy money people into making unanticipated experiences for our customers so that they become raving fans. And that there is the why, because the more that we can make the experience of a customer being aware, making a purchase decision, then interacting with us, the more that we can make them excited, the more that they become raving fans, the more that they love on your business, the more that they support you at the top of the funnel activities, which then means you get more customers. Yeah. Ta-da. La la la.
1: It's all a <laughs> <available. laughs> <laughs> And it does bring about, because the minute we start to talk about what are the systems that are going to bring about consistency in how we do the thing, how we deliver the service, how we deliver the product, then it lends itself so beautifully, and this becomes more of a, you know, whole business cycle development process that you're talking about. Because in order to understand the kind of customer experience we need to deliver, we need to understand who are avatars, who is our ideal client, what do they want? because there's no point in doing what we want, because what we want is productive and efficient. (laughs) But what they want sometimes takes a little bit longer, or sometimes takes a little bit more expertise. And so to, you know, and again, understanding who your avatar, who your ideal client actually is, also helps you with that top funnel of marketing, where are we going to be placing our messages, etc? Who are we initially wanting to throwing that, you know, what are the, who are the thousands we want thrown in the top of the funnel? So we end up with whatever the handful looks like that ends up going through to that sales funnel.
0: Yeah. And, and look, that's a really good point. And I, did we talk about ideal clients back in one of our original marketing? I think it was episode almost number six or something, Julie, which memory. Oh mm. well, we did we did mm. marketing. I thought we did a bit of a marketing one back at episode six so let jump six. around a little bit within each within each episode there's a number of little topics going on. we do we do but we we're talking all and and you know we're talking all sorts of marketing here but marketing it's a big part of understanding your business. It's actually one of the fun that most business people who are still or business owners who are still on the tools. 50 to 60% of the work is actually going to be marketing. And that's where the tension comes in. Oh, I need to keep marketing, but I need to do customer delivery, but I also need to be a boss. And this is where tension comes in about who do we hire. Mm. But that um, marketing 101, just a reminder, everyone it's pretty simple. Who are we talking to? What do we need to say to them? Where do we need to say it? And, that, that then feeds into, um, our funnels as well. You're absolutely right. The, who are we talking to? Our ideal customer. This is where we can talk about niching, but even more so, we can talk about the style of person that we want to be working with. What, so for example, I'm working with a mortgage broker at the moment. And Julie, there's a fair number of mortgage brokers out there, as you would know. Yeah. And one of the challenges with a lot of small business owners is the scarcity mindset. If I put a line in the sand and I say that I am targeting this kind of person, this kind of demographic, what about the person who's not that demographic? So, for example, I'm targeting men in business. Oh, yeah, but what about the women? where's the opportunity lost well the more that we can talk to the problems of men in business the more that it builds trust and the more that they go down that funnel so this mortgage broker in particular um is a man and i said who do you like working with and he said, look, and I said, who's mostly the decision maker, the person you're mostly talking to? He said, look, it's normally, it's normally a, a guy who's a family man and he's normally the one kind of doing the inquiries and, and driving the decisions. I said, great. That's your ideal client. Oh, but what about the wife? Yeah, of course. The wife is going to be there. But if your primary audience is a guy. The beauty is you're also a guy. You're also a family man. You can talk to the problems of being a guy and a family man. And the more that you do that, the more that the family men go, "Ah, this guy gets the challenges that I've got keeping a job, keeping the fa- lights on, keeping the family humming along, keeping everyone happy, um, and and those pressures that, that men have. Not to say women don't have pressures, Julie. We have pressures. But it's interesting to recognise that we are all functioning majority of
1: the time from core beliefs that were developed from when we were little children. And so you, you can label this whatever you like, but the reality is that some people... Were were what they observed as little children were their fathers feeling that sense of responsibility of providing for the family? Yeah, but look, and so you can you can agree with it or not, but that's just what you're dealing with. So that makes for a space where you can more effectively articulate your message when you do have that avatar thoughts in your the avatar's thoughts in your mind when you're creating the messaging.
0: Yeah, well, this is this is where it's about actually being okay with saying that I get I get you, I get you, this particular person. Um, I, I was chatting with a um, a buyer's advocate. They work in the they, they, they were gay and they worked in the LGBTI communities because they understood the needs of the LGBTIQ um, mm-hmm. community. There's nothing wrong with actually saying, hey, I work really well with these kinds of people because yeah. th- the beauty then is we all rock out and, and enjoy each other's company. So this That's is right. And as an additional example for women, I'm not a mother. I mm-hmm. can
1: relate to other women, but if it's about motherhood, I will be less good at relating to the issues that they've that they have to go through a hundred percent a hundred percent and just as a little extra note there sometimes people become concerned with the whole avatar discussion because they think oh i'm only marketing to them no no no. you're seeing everybody you're doing business with everybody that just your messaging is focused to that but you still get to speak to everybody
0: yeah but the more it's interesting i wrote a uh, a post a little while ago and it was a really vulnerable post and I read it to someone who didn't know me at all and they said, oh, that's really powerful. That would go really well in this group where we met in. I said, yeah, I said, I know, and I know it would build a whole bunch of trust, but actually who my ideal client is, I think this would terrify them because my ideal client doesn't want to see that much vulnerability, especially yeah. like because I position Inspired Outcomes to a more um, – uh, a less oh god i'm going to get in so much i'm so I'm going to get in so much trouble here with uh gender discussions but um oh i just go nuts i'm
1: just sick and tired of the offense stuff so just <laughs> say speak how you feel i i find that totally acceptable
0: so so the there's a um, we can talk about masculine and feminine style marketing, okay? Now, please, no one write in and complain that I'm doing gender norms. This is just a way of describing moods, okay? So the masculine mood is more straight line. It's more about – it's more um, uh, direct um, messaging. It's more uh, – less emotion. That's a sort of a masculine style marketing technique. A feminine style marketing technique is more heart centered, love felt, um, nurtured. You're okay. You're in safe hands. Whereas the masculine is more, let's just get stuff done. Now I'm not, I could call them A and B, you know, if I'm offending anyone um approach A is is that approach and approach B is that approach. So I definitely do not market myself in market inspired outcomes in a feminine um style. My marketing is very masculine. You'll never find pink. Um, again, feminine pink, I know that people people are going to be rolling their eyes at this, but you know, feminine colours, soft um fonts, flow flowy fonts is all feminine or, you know, category B style of marketing. I don't position inspired outcomes that way at all. So I've got to be really careful when I'm messaging. Does my messaging align with my mood, which is that masculine style mood? It's much more direct. It's I, I have the the values of actually being empathetic and understanding and all the rest of it, but I'm also going to kick you in the ass. <laughs> That's It's quite a strong character trait and this is where being really comfortable with what are we putting out to the world helps you to filter your decisions which then helps you to go who am I talking to how are they going to respond to this part of my funnel or to this part of the journey now my split of customers is about 50 50 men and women so it's not like I'm saying you know I'm a female only business coach or a male only business coach but it's just the way that i put it out there but you're right on that mum style um of of things that's a that's a great avatar for lots of businesses how many businesses are i help single mums uh find more time and more purpose in their in their lives i help Mm. women who are mums uh become financially savvy uh, so as long as we know how customer is, we can start to modify our messaging, which helps people get sort of to that bottom of the funnel. an important point that you said, Julie, just reiterating, is that when we do know who our customer is and we're thinking about that journey, we can make sure that we're catering to that person's needs and wants and desires and providing the service to them through our marketing, through our messaging, through our customer service of what they want and one of those examples might be Julie that if my customer is someone who is <laughs> snappy who's snappy they're time poor they they don't want a bit of, they don't want too much fluff then your all of your customer experience needs to be on point no long-winded emails no long-winded interactions communicate by text message, to send them a reminder, say reminder of this. They don't have to press three buttons to do it because they're going to tap out because they're too busy. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's interesting. It's like
1: if you can imagine from the messaging perspective and understanding who you're speaking to and how it affects that messaging, if you had gone off and seen a magnificent movie that you absolutely loved and so you were trying to urge your father to watch the same movie, and your grandmother to watch the same movie and your best friend to watch the same movie and your husband to watch the same movie, you might be picking out unique areas of aspects of of the movie that are different that you deliver to each one of those because you know those people, you know what makes them want to see the movie. Mm. So it could be, you know, um, if it's a children's movie, for example, you know what your niece loves. It's got these lovely princesses and these talking, talking donkeys and all this. And it's so much fun. But you wouldn't say that to your husband to encourage your husband to take the child off to see the movie. You would say it's really written for an adult audience as well. There's a bunch of jokes there that else oh, really fun, funny. Mm-hmm. So you would be taking elements of the same movie, the same product, the same service, and highlighting them highlighting the different points to different people you know because you know those people. And this is what it is about. When you know your avatar, you then get a far better idea of what messages do I tell this person so they are constantly moving through my funnels mm. and then end up buying from me.
0: I absolutely love that example, Julie. That's a, a brilliant, brilliant That's example now. They're well, to me now. no, I wish, I wish we need to cut that in at the front because that's one of the best examples of why we need to niche our messaging to our audience. It's just one of the best, it's just one of the best examples that I've ever heard. So, snaps I'll to you. I'll be repeating it more often. It makes me seem smart, Yeah. Do you know what I'm going to say? You only reached that because of my master class in marketing right there, that marketing
1: (laughs) Marketing university in
0: 15 minutes. (laughs) So I think that this is, you know, as we're sitting here and as our long listening audience would know, Julie and I plan out our our podcasts are uh, very detailed prior to coming online. <laughs> um,
1: in other words, that means we jump online daily and say, have you thought of any topic today?
0: <laughs> <laughs> we were well planned though because we preempted this in episode number 40. Yeah. So yeah. We're, we're ahead of the curve. But yeah. it, does, it does make me think, you know, this is a bit of an education point, but really what are the takeouts that our listeners really should be considering from this like what's the point what's the point in listening to this other than to hear our gorgeous dulcet tones (laughs) (laughs) so i think what's important is that marketing can be really confusing especially if this is all new to you now i doubt that any of our listeners are too many startups but any stage of business, I mean, I'm, I'm eight years into inspired outcomes and I'm just starting to refine my funnels and get nurture sequences yeah. and stuff happening. So it's something that, and I had a background in marketing and public relations and stuff like that. And this isn't about Shannon's resume, but it is about saying and justifying that marketing is an activity that is kind of confusing for a lot of business owners, especially if it's your role. And I think, Julie, your experience that you sort of talked about of having marketing people get involved in your business, we can take advice from people because they know more than us, which is what we want, right? We want to hire people who know more than us and give us advice. But We can lose track or we can be dishonorable to our market. And so it's really important to actually know your market, know your avatar, know their transformations within your business. And then, and then be able to go to market to look at who can supply you tactics or additional support so that your marketing becomes more effective. So that's one point. I think that's why that this conversation is important because it's important to know this. I think it's also important because that customer journey is probably where the rubber hits the road. And this is for probably more established businesses because this is where you get really strategic with your customer experience. And that was one of the things that you said. Essentially, your customer journey is really about looking at what is the experience that a person has interacting with my organisation and where are the points of friction where we could do it better so once you've got a business that's more, a little bit more established this is where you can really start to drill down on your systems your processes your operational side of things so that where you're seeing pain points or friction points you can do those can I improvements constant never-ending improvements which then helps change the metrics of success in terms of oh we've got more people coming in the awareness part of the funnel because we changed that um advocacy and loyalty uh, emails or actually we've got more people converting because we've changed or we've tweaked those bits in the awareness part we made it easier for people to make purchase decisions because our messaging was clearer or We've got less complaints because actually our customer experience part of the onboarding part of our journey, it has we've ironed out these little issues with our training of our team members, with our making sure that our team members have our the checklists and we're managing them effectively and we're we're promoting our our values within the organization so that our customers actually experience those values. So this, just reiterating, there's two parts that I think is important to take away from this podcast today is one, if you're the business owner and marketing is your responsibility and it is always your responsibility because the buck literally stops with you, you've got to know who your customer is. Take advice from the market, but know who your customer is fundamentally and then use the customer journey as a process improvement tool within your business. Would you agree disagree with my assertions there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. it's just you know this discussion for me, how much time do people like you and me spend researching funnels and customer journeys and customer uh, nurture sequences and all the things? But it's interesting, just this discussion that we're having today has really kind of encapsulated it all into one thing and I'm looking forward to jumping offline with you for the first time ever so I can get my big board (laughs) so I can like really have the, I've got a clearly identified avatar because of the unanticipated customer service that I want to provide for the students I'm going to create that experience and then I go, I'm going to work backwards. I'm going to go back through customer nurture experience and then sales. So, therefore, that means sales need to be this and therefore marketing needs to look like that. And then, as a side funnel, that when students do disengage for some reason, stop buying for some reason, or maybe I, they're at the end of the current buying process, where is that? What does that reactivation funnel look like? And I think that is a beautiful. Business system to develop for you, for and to relook at every year at the very least, but possibly more often if needed.
0: Yeah, look, I think it, when when you look at it, this this is this is a this is what your business right because even even your finance department is responsible for customer experience because they're the ones who are making sure all the money goes through and uh, people are getting invoices it doesn't matter if it's in an online system you've still got to actually have that invoicing system set up and your stripe payments Mm -hmm. done and all the rest of it so Mm -hmm. every everyone in your business this this whole journey is what your business is set up to do, unless I suppose you're in research and development getting government grants. But even then, your audience or your customer is pretty much either the end user or the government. And when you're doing research and development, you involve your end user in all of your interactions around research. I've kind of gone on a little bit of a tangent there. I don't know whether Julie's going to keep this in
1: here. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, was good. it was good, but it does also, because as you said earlier, there are going to be people out there that go, what's the funnel? And then others go, yeah, I understand funnels. I haven't got mine sorted yet. Or some other, you know, I've got funnels. I keep getting them sorted, but I'm not there yet either. So I'm working on it, not there yet. It's such an evolutionary process, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of what Charles speaks about, that His definition of success is taken from Napoleon Hill. I think it was Napoleon Hill that said success is the progressive realisation of your worthy ideal. And I think success in terms of your marketing, sales funnels, avatar identification, customer nurture sequence, all the things, I think to look at that as this is the progressive realisation of what it's going to end up looking like because we need to see success all the way through because we consistently are just getting better and better at it the more often we look at it and modify it adjust it mm.
0: oh yeah 100 we can just feel like a failure oh, i still haven't got that funnel perfect yet when is mm. it
1: ever perfect
0: <laughs> never and especially <laughs> and especially as this environment speeds up i feel like it, it's speeding up with tools and techniques and you know, we're even seeing copywriting AI coming and making a big uh, impact That's at the moment, space. whether it's positive or negative, who knows. It'll be both. It'll be both. <laughs> but, <laughs> man, most things are both. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, running your business is all about fundamentally running your business is about getting customers and servicing the customers and so it's a big part of that so the question i suppose to to wrap things up julie is what do people do about it i think that it's worthwhile having some takeaways here and mm. julie do you do you focus much on marketing in your in your work yes and you, yes. I mean,
1: you f- and you focus a lot. On- oh, you mean with the lessons that I teach and the dental yeah. practices? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, that is a, part. It's a. It's a one of the modules within
0: the program, and it is the topic of many of the lunch and learns that we do for the club as well. Mm. And your yeah. um, your point around those four levels of customer service. I know we've spoken a lot about customer experience and customer service, and that's a really big part of your. Program isn't it? What is? What does it look like when someone walks in and when they call and up? And as you and always say, what does success look like? And I, whenever I've spoken about customer service in the
1: past, you know this is such a wonder. It's a, such a wonderful gift to uh, be able to have time to contemplate, research, and determine how you feel about things and what your thoughts are around things. Because, yet again, as with many many topics, customer service has been like that. And I feel like what's been missing is is when we're making those very broad terms just do better customer service than mm-hmm. that's what I've said in the past be 10 percent better 1 better than any of the other practices around you what does that actually mean yeah you know put and I've been a big one to say put bells and whistles on things what does mm-hmm. it actually mean yeah but that I feel very comfortable with that that the definition of anticipated customer service and unanticipated customer service and the clearest thing is anticipated if someone asked for a recommendation should you say yeah sure go with mine but if it's unanticipated you are so impressed you're actively going out there saying these people are the best the best Mm -hmm. and so it's really helping direct so the first thing I would suggest to people out there is recognize who your avatar is at the moment doesn't need to be perfect it's not at the exclusion of all else, but just recognise your service or product, who does it really cater to, figure out who that avatar is and then think to yourself with the experience that we're going to be giving them, how can we make it unanticipated and then have, then reverse engineer from that. I feel like for me right now, I feel like that is a good path to take.
0: Mm. reverse
1: engineer the customer nurture sequence, then the sales sequence, sorry, funnels, and then their marketing funnel.
0: And we've talked a lot, just segueing a little bit, we've talked a lot about culture, how to build outstanding cultures, how to improve performance, how to work with team members, how to leverage teams, and this is a great one that you can get your team involved in is how could we, Uh, the word I'm using is, is wow. How could we wow our customers? If you, if you've got time, Google, uh, Google Zappos. At Zappos and um, there's a book called Happiness Something. But anyway, just Google Zappos examples of customer service and they have amazing, amazing examples of how they've wowed their customers and one of their values is we deliver wow. And when we say wow, they go completely unanticipated on customer service so you build that into your culture you build it into the narrative you you help people be innovative and give them permission to actually color outside the lines when we're talking about yeah. unanticipated and when i say coloring outside the lines again google the Zappos. um the one of the customer service people got a pizza delivered to someone who asked for it they deliver shoes Someone
1: accidentally rang up and
0: asked them for a pizza. No, no. Okay. The short story is, and I'm probably going to get most of it wrong, but the short story is the boss, the CEO, was so proud of how their customer service team delivers wow. He was in an executive meeting or they'd been out drinking or something one night with with big dogs and suppliers or what have you, and he says, um, one of the guys says, I'd love a pizza right now. And he says, call up my customer service team, 24 hours, call them up. He's like, don't you guys sell shoes? He's like, no, call them up, guarantee you. Sure enough, he calls up the customer service line and he says something along the lines of, I'd really like some pizza. The customer service person ordered him a pizza and got the pizza delivered. I love it. I love it. That is a (laughs) 100% scribbling outside of the lines, but this is how you build an incredible brand. I know, I've never purchased from Zappos because it's mostly an American brand. We're sort of, it's not really something that's known in Australia that much, but they have a 70, 75% of their customers repurchase from them. That is a ridiculous number of repurchasing from, a, from a, um, uh, a consumer brand. Like that is, Unheard of in the market, and it's simply because people know that they're going to get great experience from from that business. They know that they're going to have good time. They they know that if they have a problem, that that problem is going to be solved. They know that they can get refunds or replacements without any problems whatsoever. And that's what the value of looking at your customer journey is, and and actually building it into the the fabric of your business that that culture of that customer experience. So, And
1: on that culture point, if I could quickly mention before you do a rackety-rap-rap, rap, um, that I have delivered, I don't think I've ever delivered una- um, unacceptable <laughs> customer service, hopefully not. I've certainly, in my early 20s when I was young and rebellious, I delivered basic. Mm-hmm. And then I delivered anticipated for a big chunk of my working life. But certainly I've delivered a lot of unanticipated service, especially when I own my own practice, of course, you know, yeah. yeah unanticipated is easy but even at the practice prior to me owning my own practice I was delivering unanticipated customer service and I have to say to you when you talk about culture and getting your team members to be involved in this the times that I had my greatest job satisfaction has always been when I'm delivering unanticipated customer service so there is a very big strong compelling why behind it for your actual team members to take it up that level
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think I think that that's probably been the crash course. Um, as I said, it's it's we've gone around the racetrack and it's covered in bumps because it, it really is a crash course. This is not something that you can learn in a one-hour podcast, but you can work with Julie or I to help look at your customer experience and certainly to give you marketing strategy which is that who are we talking to, what are our key messages, and then making good decisions about where to say them. So Julie and I both support that level of work. We're not marketers, but we can do lots of the work beforehand before you engage in a marketing company and can keep that company on track to make sure that they're delivering unexpected or sorry, unanticipated results for you. So the wrap today is know your funnels, have fun with funnels and wrap it around your customer experience and your customer journey. Look for ways that you can deliver unanticipated customer service, which builds loyalty and advocacy and referrals within your business and use the customer journey as a process improvement tool and developing culture where you're constantly improving, not just your business overall, but your customer experience. And I think that's about the wrap for today, Julie.
1: Spot on, baby. I love your reps.
0: <laughs> it's a, a, it a bit of a serious podcast today. We might need to go light and breezy next time <laughs> just to, like, have a collet a, a cleanser. Oh, my goodness. <sighs> I'm going to have to get my mouth working sometime in the future. A, <laughs> a pellet cleanser. What That's would we nice do with a cleanser? It.
1: I don't know. I mean, maybe think about because, you know, I've recently done my lunch and learn for my clients on on identifying how teams can identify the difference between anticipated and unanticipated and how then the unanticipated can start driving future actions. I don't know if that's going to be of any interest next time.
0: Well, certainly if you're listening, provide us some customer experience back. Give us some feedback. We love that. Uh, and uh, let us know what you'd like to listen to, especially if you would like to know more about unanticipated customer experiences. Beautiful. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Shannon. I'll see you in a week, but publishing in a couple. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you, listeners. We will speak with you soon.